Back in the 70s, board games and improv theater had a baby, and it was called the role-playing game. These games allowed a generation of kids to live out their dreams of slaying dragons and saving kingdoms, all while sitting in their bedrooms and basements. Today, gaming has moved into the cultural mainstream, and role-playing games are back with a vengeance. Join us now as five of these former kids come out of the basement and onto the internet to experience adventure, mystery, and obscure pop culture references. It's time for Roll for Combat. Hey there, welcome to Roll for Combat. I'm your GM and host, Stephen Glicker. And in this week's show, the boys start their new mission and head to the Diaspora, looking for the Devourer secret base hidden somewhere in the asteroid belt. However, they have discovered a blip. Will this blip destroy their ship and blow it to smithereens? Or will it turn out to be something far more interesting? Find out this week. Also this week, my GMPC tip. It's kind of a two-parter. Last week, I explained why you should always run some simple combats. This week, I'm going to explain how to do hard combats, how they can be run, how you should run them, how you should set them up so you don't totally destroy the party. It's actually an art to running hard boss combats, and I'll explain why this week. So this week, we have been very busy at Roll for Combat. It turns out the Paizo site has been down quite a bit. And we also became a lodge, which means we officially now run Paizo games, such as Starfinder and Pathfinder Society, as well as Adventures. Mostly play-by-post. That's where you actually play on our Discord channel, and you do it by posting messages. It's actually quite a bit of fun and allows you opportunities of doing role-playing you normally couldn't do. For example, you can tell people like what your character is thinking. Because of the written format, it allows you to play in a way you might not be used to. It's really fascinating. Anyhow, we have started 12 games. We have 12 games going. It is crazy. And we're adding new ones all the time because I guess a ton of people are migrating over from the Paizo boards over to us. We've been getting a lot of mentions by Hillary Moon Murphy, who is actually in charge of all play-by-posts for Paizo. And we've been mentioned in emails and message boards. So it has been flooding over there. So come on down. Go to discord.rollforcombat.com. We've been mostly playing Pathfinder Playtest, but we will start any game. Basically, we just need four people and a GM. And if you GM a game for us, you get a free t-shirt. And if you've never done it before, but know how to GM, come on down. It's really easy. We'd explain how to do it. We have a whole bunch of people there who've been doing it for over half a year on the Roll for Combat Discord channel. People kind of get addicted to it. If you really like it, people just won't stop. And they'll play like five or six games simultaneously. Because you don't really have to do a lot. You only have to post a few times a day. So it allows you to play lots and lots of games. But definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. Also, do check out the podcast as I have a lot more interviews coming up. Seems like people really enjoyed my interviews and a review of the Pathfinder playtest. So we're going to start doing that a lot more often. I have now regularly scheduled interviews with Paizo people constantly on the show. In fact, 
probably every other week or so, we'll probably have someone new on the show. Either they're from Paizo directly or someone in the game industry because people seem to really like these interviews and a lot of people are now asking to be on our show. I guess that's what happens when you start getting really popular. Also, something really funny. It turns out I thought we were actually going much faster for book two, but it took us exactly 23 episodes to finish book two of Dead Sons. Now, if you take out the very first podcast we ever did, which is really an episode zero because we mostly interviewed Thirsty Hillman and we played for about two seconds, we actually played book one in 23 episodes. So we got exactly zero faster. It took us 23 episodes to finish book one and 23 episodes to finish book two. That was weird. I am making a conscious effort to actually go faster. It's not going to sacrifice the show in any way. It's little things I'm doing just to speed up the combat and just to speed up the guys on my end because sometimes they will sit there and talk for five minutes before they roll the dice. So things like that. I'm just trying to make them go a little faster, mostly before combat. Chris especially is guilty of this. If you ever see him play live, he'll sit there just sitting there shaking his hand ready to roll the dice, talking and talking and talking like he's willing the dice to roll high. And online, he kind of does the same thing. So I'm just trying to push them to go a little faster. So maybe, maybe we can finish book three in 22 episodes. But with that, let's get right to at least episode two of book three and see what happens when the green dot and the red dot collide. After an hour of going through and scanning, Mr. Tuttle notices a few peculiar blips on the starship's instrument panels that indicate irregular movement. Okay. Uh, like asteroid movement or ship movement or... Jason McDonald is playing the Isoki mechanic Tuttle Blacktail and his drone Cheddar. You double check the blip and you believe it appears to be a ship of some sort. Mm. General alert. Chris Beamer is playing the Lashunta operative, Hiroji. There are red dots coming towards us. Or the green dot. I think we're the green dot. <laughs> Sound at general quarters. Whichever one of you idiots is captain, I think we've got company. Battle stations. All right, battle stations. There's person with the more confident sounding voice is in charge, clearly. Bob Marquis is playing the human envoy, Rusty Carter. What do you do about the... Wait, dogs? why is Mo still in his room? Why, are we, why is Rusty still in his room? I'm not oh, in my room. I'm on my, I'm on my seat. No, I'm, the, oh, I'm in the hallway. Sorry, isn't, I thought it was Oh, this room. is a hallway? I thought this was like on a, a... I thought this was a little seat. John Statz is playing the Vesk soldier, Mo Dupinski. Okay, I put myself in the center seat right there. I'm fine. No, Mo, you're in the secondary. Yeah, no, those are seats. Those are like those are like the private quarters. That's actually, I think, I think one of those is captain's the, ready room. <clears throat> captain's quarters, and the other one was the meeting room. <laughs> are you no, serious? No, those, those are not. Those are part. Oh, I thought of those the were bridge. part of the that's, bridge. That's, that's now. I think they are off of the bridge. They're the ready room and the meeting room. You're absolutely right. All right. Well, I don't want to be in the meeting room. Um, I'm going to okay, be uh, my, Mr. My, Tuttle, my computers. Life forms. 
a little, little light. <laughs> All right. Uh, where where are we going, Mister Tuttle? Doctor Tuttle. Sorry. Should I? Should we go towards the movement? Proceed. All right. Well, then I will sort of direct them to the place where the movement is occurring, and I will fly in that direction using my piloting and raise shields. Take us there, Hiroji. You fly towards the direction of the irregular movement. Sure enough, it definitely is a ship. However, you are getting an encoded broadband message sent to your ship. Space whale? (laughs) Yes, space whale. And from a preliminary scan, it looks like the ship has been damaged. That's a distress distress call? It appears so. You can easily decode it if you wish. Let's decode away. Do I need to give you a check for that? No, it's automatic. So with you, you're at these levels. You guys are good enough. So you decode the message, and sure enough, it appears to be... It is, let's just say, a distress call, but it's not a broadband. It appears like they're asking you specifically for help, and they even give you information if you wish to chat. They indicate that they have been damaged and that they need help in repairing their ship, and they'll be willing to compensate any of those offering assistance. Does Am I the only one who thinks that actually sounds like a Nigerian scam? Could be. Well, let's find Just out. Just open up your computer, give us your password so that we can connect to you, and then we're going to definitely pay you after you are able to give us some assistance. That is what the ship looks like, by the way. Um, let's find out how much they'll pay us. Sure. Well, you, you can actually also do a engineering check to scan the ship, Mr. Tuttle. Thank you. That's sort of where I was going. With all I will questions. go ahead and do that. I'll scan the ship and see if the damage sounds legit or lines up with their descriptions. Specifically asking for us? Well, they saw you in the area and they mm-hmm. did a narrow beam to you asking you specifically for your help. Damn, that's a lot. Nice. That's so much that I'm not even going to read it. I'm just going to give you the information because it'll be faster. There it is. You scan the ship, and it appears to be a Nebulator Outfitters Starhopper, which is a light and scrappy middle-of-the-road spaceship. Uh, If Mr. Tuttle wants to explain or go through the rest, it does appear to be damaged. It looks like it had some weapons fire, and they do appear to be suffering some damage. It looks like you, Mr. Tuttle being the mechanical engineer that you are, could definitely offer some assistance. And they do have a comm channel if you wish to to talk to them, and they are hailing you. I continue to believe this sounds like a pirate trap. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read read what we got, you know, for the people out there. The classic and widely manufactured Nebulor Outfitters Starhopper is a light and scrappy middle-of-the-road spaceship model with all fight and many of the luxuries of a larger ship. In service since practically the dawn of the drift travel, the Starhopper is a tried-and-true starship that is still widely flown throughout the pack worlds where it serves as a commuter vessel, hauling rig, long-distance transport, packet smuggler, and even pirate raider. The Starhopper is especially reliable in close space systems such as the Diaspora and smaller asteroid belts. It is as capable in dodging space debris as it is in fending off unwanted pursuers. The Starhopper's durable explorer frame features sturdy armor, cutting-edge defensive countermeasures, uh, light shields, and a supremely customizable interior, including cup holders. Oh, wait, that I added that part. <laughs> um, wait, there f- are no cup holders? Leave these people. Sorry, there are no cup holders. 
The factory standard model comes fully equipped with a pulse green power core and signal basic drift engine, and it offers four weapon mounts for customized armaments. Spacious and comfortable crew quarters easily accommodate up to six crew members, though the ship is easily navigable by a single pilot. Four roomy and customizable expansion bays round out Starhopper's suite of options. Uh, many Starhopper owners and captains personalize their ships with expanded capabilities such as upgraded long-range sensors to detect approaching vessels or a duo-node computer to offset shortcomings amongst their crews. Starhoppers are well-suited for ferrying freight with space for up to four dedicated cargo holds, though medical and synthesis bays are a popular choice for additional expansion bays. On the other hand, many privateers and smuggler captains add a smuggler compartment to conceal illicit cargo or ill-gotten plunder. Arr, mateys. Mm. So we so, may be dealing with pirates. It's an, it's an armed firefly. In Got addition, it. you also know that this uh, ship is fairly strong. It's definitely stronger than your ship, but it's injured, so you might have a fair fight. And you do notice the markings if someone can do a culture check. It does have mm, markings on it. I'll try to... I will assist. Damn. 27 for Hiroji. Rusty. Natural 20 tw for 25. <laughs> Damn. So that's a he assisted us as 29. 29. Yeah, you know right away that the ship's affiliation is with the free captains of the diaspora and the free captains although are yes pirates they are what you would call honorable pirates and they live by a very very strict rule of conduct and since you rolled so well i'm not even going to make you roll again that you know this because you rolled you both rolled an 18 and a 20, so you know that no, no, and you roll again. Oh, Mo even knows. Even Mo got a 16. Actually, even he no, knows. that's a set, uh, that's a 21 with his uh, military bonus. Oh, that's right. Nice. Oh, he gets to finally use it. So you know this. Mo is the one who'll tell you this that no free captain will attack another outside of a council approved duel. That clients paying the pirates' council's steep fees for protection must enjoy complete security from unwarranted attacks. And the most important one is a deal is a deal. And once an individual captain has made a bargain, she or he must honor it. And this is the most important one, is that that's why they're known as the honorable pirates. If they make a deal with, with you, as long as you uphold it, they will never double-cross you. Parlay. Yes, parlay. All right, well, we could probably strike up a bargain with them. Great, we'll, we'll make a deal then. Do they believe in guest right? Are we, if they offer us bread, we're safe. Mm -hmm. So, anyhow, do you wish to open up the comm unit? Sure. Uh, I open up a comm unit. I, a limited one with my limited grasp of computers so that their virus can't attack our systems. Open a channel. Right, that. Cool, you open a channel. Uh, you open the channel, and you see... A striking woman who appears to be a large female human, most likely a soldier, with, well, pirate gear. <laughs> she looks like a pirate of old. And she says to you, Ahoy, dear mateys! Thanks for coming on out and rescuing us! I think we can strike a bargain, as you are Starfinders, most likely. 
Let me introduce myself. I am Alara Antwana. Yes, don't fear me. Yes, I am a free captain who patrols this wretched wretch of space. But we got into a bit of a scrap and we could use your help. Are you honorable Starfinders or are you on the run? Well, we're obviously entirely honorable in all of our actions at all times. Bluff check. Do you need me to make a roll? <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you tell me. I'm actually not lying because we actually are here under uh, uh, official purposes. So, yes, we actually are honorable Starfinder members. Well, three out of four of us are honorable. Yeah, Mo is yes. uh, still got have a smile on his face. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, I'm the captain and I'm honorable, or at any rate, I'm certainly here in official business that I intend to keep. Excellent, excellent. We're most fortunate to run into you. As as you can see, we're in a bit of a pickle. It's uh, embarrassing to go back to asking for help for someone else in the uh, League, as it will cost me great face. But someone like you, honorable Starfinders, I'm sure we can make a deal and keep this between ourselves. Everybody wins. We could certainly make our discretion a part of any fair bargain. Of course, of course. We understand you are merchants, as are we in a fashion. Eh, everybody's got to work. I'm good with that. Everyone's got to make a living. I like you. And who am I addressing, may I ask? Oh, well, you've obviously heard of me, I'm sure. I am the Honorable Rusty Carter, captain of, I can't remember what we named the ship most recently, but that the thing, that's the one I'm on. The, the Hippo. Sunrise Maiden. Sunrise Maiden. I knew Sunrise we had changed Maiden. it from the Hippo. Really? The Hippo was a different ship entirely. Who right. named it? This has had its name already. <laughs> uh, captain of the Sunrise Maiden, and here are my trusty and loyal crew. You don't need to know their names. They're not important. Excellent. A captain with an iron hand. I like you. Uh, just for the hell of it, I'm going to actually just sort of start this out with a diplomacy roll, if that's all right. Sure. Let me add a d6 to that. So 27 diplomacy. 27. Just enough. She looks at you, and sure enough, there's a little glint in her eye and says, Well, you know who we are, and I presume we know who you are, so... Why don't we make this official and parlay? I give you my parlay. word. <laughs> I give you my word as a free captain that you will have safe passage on my ship as long as you don't start anything, as in deadly attacks. Why don't you come onto our ship where you can help repair the damage, meet the crew, and we can discuss terms. Certainly, though, I should tell you up front that one of our terms is going to be not only uh, very accurate navigational maps of this entire region, but also the private navigational maps that you would not ordinarily share with others. That give me a diplomacy check. Alrighty. Uh, when she says uh, parlay, um, she can hear Mo in the background chanting, Parlay, parlay, parlay. <laughs> party so now, or parlay? He's, he's chanting party. He, party. He, oh, he, he thought it was a party. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> does anyone want to assist with my diplomacy on this check? Yes, I can assist. Uh, Mo is too busy chanting. Hold on. Let me add a D6. So I'm at a 32. She looks at you and says, 
<laughs> but of course, we will tell you all that there is to know, although this area is the most dreadful and doleful area of space, hence why I'm stuck uh, patrolling it, which is why it was so unusual that we got attacked. Why don't you come on and I'll tell you all about how we got into this predicament. Sounds good to me. All right, as long as we can lock our ship, right? Yeah, you could totally lock your ship. <laughs> and from the culture you know, as long as you uphold the terms of the agreement, they will as well. Like, you don't well, start yeah, anything, they won't start anything. As right. long as I understand. We... I, just, I, just, I worry that they may be so literal that they're like, well, what, we didn't, you didn't start anything, we didn't start anything, but we are going to steal your ship. Like, that, yeah. that wasn't part of the... Fair oh, enough. Said you Fair are enough. safe, not your property. There. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. True, but you do know that to fix the ship, you're gonna have to go on it. Like right. at least one of you. Well, let's all go on it. Okay. Do you have a Do you have a shuttlecraft you can send over? Otherwise, we can. Use can we it like on. dock to it or something? You just dock. Yeah, you just dock. Oh, fine. Yep. Okay. Great. We can, we fly there and we dock. You fly there and you dock. Ooh, then we get to the other ship. And hooray! We're going to make sure that we have a set of keys after we're done locking it. So we don't walk ourselves out of the ship. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. I'm making sure all my stuff is <laughs> locked and loaded, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mo's going to be taking his pike. And make sure to hang it from your belt so that anyone can see And it. his uh, heavy, uh, his, his artillery laser. Cool. So they meet you in the, the airlock. The captain is there along with three other crew members. There appears to be a male android, a female Lashunta, and a male Vesk. And she welcomes you. Welcome to the Rusty Rivet. May I show you around? Give you some refreshments? Ah, uh, yes. That's a great name. I like the name of your ship. Oh, oh. Tuttle would actually like to be directed to engineering so he can start work. He's a man. Excellent. Excellent. Come this way, Mr. Tuttle, is it? And your drone. Wow, that is some drone. Very, very impressive. Do you ride, ride the drone? He is, actually. <laughs> she is impressed. She's like... I take a, I take a picture of that. I know. Of <laughs> you gotta look like a kitty ride or something. <laughs> Tuttle will have to practice with the riding saddle here. Assuming the corridors are high enough. Well, oh, yeah, wait, yeah. Wait, before Tuttle leaves, I say, well, wait, we should actually, and I do say this mentally with my uh, ability, um, we should, before you actually start working, we should negotiate the price and stuff. And That's stuff. true. We probably should oh, wait yeah. till the terms are set. Yeah. And uh, when you get on your uh, cheddar mount, you should put a quarter in it and make it bounce forward and back. <laughs> oh, that's the best way to ride. Well, well I say I think we should have a uh, sit down and discuss uh, what we can do here and how we can help you out and how you can help Excellent. us. Out. Obviously, Excellent. we're very important people, and our time and resources are extremely valuable. Of course, of course. And she brings you to the conference room, and sure enough, you see the layout of the ship. It is cool. This ship. It is actually. It's quite nice. It's a, it is nice. It's actually. About the size, if not bigger than yours. It's pretty tough, this ship. It's uh, it's a little shorter, but it's wider. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. This definitely yeah, much, uh, but Actually, much more open med bay, much more open little sort of crew area. Oh, yeah, it's a nice ship. So she brings you in. No one appears to be having weapons. At least if they have them, they're like stowed. Everyone seems to be on their best behavior. She goes on to introduce her crew members. 
She says, this is my engineer, Q4. And he says, hello. He wa he's a male android. This is my gunner, Corina Steelfang. No, that's a female Lashunta. And my pilot, and this is the male Vesk, Zagnoia Spike Masher. Nice. We'll call you Spike. And the captain herself is, of course, human, right? Yes, female human. Yes, so I, I appreciate the hierarchy of this ship. Again, you and her are getting along like peaches and cream. You guys, are... I, I actually do like the cut of her jib, i got to be honest. You guys actually do really get along well. She brings you some snacks, and these are some pretty cool, like, rare treats. Uh, Mo recognizes that these are not things you can normally find in civilized worlds. In many of his years of service, that these are things you would find in, I don't know, like, well, pirate places or other illicit areas that you normally wouldn't find. Is there, do they have Romulan ale? I would like some Romulan ale. Please. Sure. They have Romulan oh ale. They got gawk. They got Smart, what slurm. other rare vintages was there? What's the thing from Flash Gordon? That Did they have a yamak sauce? Did they have yes. a warp court breach? Yes, the warp court <laughs> breach. That's it. A big blue uh, I like ball. to order a like oh, blaster. Oh my god. We are such geeks. Well, for Rusty Carter, <laughs> you get you get oh nine hot fudge sundays. That's what they bring you. Excellent. That's great. You know, I've had a bad day. That's right. So they sit down and she says, yes, yes. So we do our normal patrol around here. As you know, the free pirates, or excuse me, <laughs> free captains patrol the diaspora. And this area is considered, well, let's just say the up and comers usually get this. And I'm still mm, earning my chops, so to speak. So it is a little embarrassing that we got sideswiped by uh, another starship. Wait, wait. Sideswiped? What do you That's mean, this other starship? What, what other starship? Oh, yes. Um, well, uh, we were doing our normal patrol, and usually, you know, we sometimes see, I don't know, like some fat merchant freighters, a few Sarsician here and there. Uh, but this time, there was a couple of really nasty-looking bone ships. Big bruisers and, frankly, above my pay grade, you know? But they didn't care that much about us little old pirates, so I just shadowed them for a bit. They did whatever business they had here and then went on their way, but I think I got a little too close as some of them broke off and did pursuit. At first, I thought we could handle them, but after just one or two shots, I realized we were way outgunned, and through some fancy flying and maneuvering, I was able to lose them and keep my life as well. What direction were they going? Oh, they were going towards the Drift Beacon. Mm. Oh, do we have a beat on that? You have well, no idea. That we Drift Beacon have, we... is, it's like a Stargate. You have no idea where they went. Yeah, well, uh, wait, but actually, shouldn't that be the thing that's on every map? Is where like the local Stargate is. That's where you came in from. Yeah, right. It's oh, the same so one you came in. Exactly where that is. Yeah, you already came. When you in. say yeah, you guys came. When you say bone beacon, when you say Eoxians, you mean the Eoxian ship? Culture check. Okay. Culture check. I assist. You guys got a lot. Twenty six, sixteen, uh, twenty. Rolls a twenty five. Yeah, <laughs> bow, bow. Yeah, but wow, you guys are all good at this. 
It's funny. Now your rolls are great. When we're in combat, we'll see how they do. Oh, yeah, in combat, no. 17, 19. No, these, these are all great. Yeah. Rolls. No, 20s, 18s. No, this will never happen. Yeah, you, you, you ask her these bone chips. She simply smiles and shrugs that she doesn't seem to know. You guys know that bone ships are consistent with those commonly associated with both Eox and the Corpse Fleet. Yeah, I hate these guys. We've tangled with them before. Yes, you have. And we and uh... the Eoxians, they're great. I mean, yes, well, they're they're not human. But you, whatever, let's move on. Well, um, how is it? I'm just curious. Why is your engineer, uh, Q4, unable to repair the damage? Oh, he can repair the damage, but some of the items that we need, mm, it would be a lot faster and safer if we were able to use someone else's material, if you will. It would be much more efficient and faster to have you help us. The other thing we could do is radio ahead and get some of the other captains to help us out. Or if we were lucky and there was a fat merchant ship nearby with little defenses, we could mm, borrow some of their equipment to help speed up the repairs. Basically, we're just trying to speed up our repairs and get into service faster so that we don't embarrass and lose face. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you're saying that you need an oscillation over thruster to get your uh, your uh, ship to fly. Got it. Uh, we have one of those. Don't worry about it. Excellent, excellent. That's exactly what we need. To cobble one together will take quite a while. Now, obviously, I mean, that'll leave us without our backup. And, well, those don't come cheap. I mean, it's, you know, look, we could backorder it and we could get it to you probably in two weeks. Or we could use the one here in the shop. But that one actually does cost extra. Of course, of course. And she, like, whispers over and, like, Q4 sort of, like, leans over and she talks to, to Q4 and uh, looks back at you and says, I'll tell you what, we can be all friendly-like here and I'll give you a thousand credits apiece. I see. Well, a thousand credits, you well, must be mad. That is pretty friendly, like. I, I, I think, I think, um, in addition, you know, if you could radio ahead to your friends and uh, and tell them to not attack us, we want free passage for against all of the free captains, right? Yeah, that's fair. And as I had mentioned earlier, of course, your private and extensive navigation. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever uh, you can. Uh, documents for this entire region, and I think we have a deal. And I spit into my hand and hold it out to Shake. Well, shakes she his looks hand. at you, and she spits into her hand, grabs your hand, and says, You go your way, we go ours, everyone's happy, and nobody dies. It's a good day. And she shakes your hand, she pulls a pin off of her chest, and hands it to you, and says, Well, all free captains here sort of go by their own rules, and there's no general hierarchy. But if you show this to others that you run across, they'll know that you're friendly with the free captains, and they should leave you alone, or at least go easy on you if uh, they feel like uh, that they don't want to honor the deal. That's the best I can do for you. All right, sounds good to me. Um, Mr. Roji, at this point, just for because he wants to, he pulls out a cigar and starts light, lights it up and starts smoking. She pulls out one as well. She actually likes ah. it for you. And she also <laughs> Excellent. Pulls Thank out you. One. Let's smoke on it. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm assuming, uh, Jason, you're going to be able to repair the ship? Definitely. 
Yeah, like, don't I can help too, you know. Yeah. Don't let us down. Yeah, Dr. no, no. Battle. They need somebody who knows technology and computers. Just, <laughs> that, just that's that's me. I'm really good at those things also. Yeah, yeah with engineering, we'll be able to help. And it'll definitely speed up. The more people that help, the faster they'll be on your way, and the faster you'll be on the way. In the meantime, she goes on to pull up some of the maps to show you. She goes on to explain that she's the only one that patrols this area, so you'll be safe, at least if you stay in this, this area, which you are, at least for now. So that's good, and now you have a friend who might watch your back, yep. which is good, too. Excellent. And, uh, Rusty, you may want to ask her about where this place is we're looking for, right? Yeah, while they're doing the repairs, maybe uh, you and I could... Well, maybe you and I could talk private. Of course, of course. Let's retire to our quarters and drink and toast and get a little drunk. And what kind of a diplomacy role do I need to go all Captain Kirk on here? <laughs> what do you mean, Captain Kirk? What the hell does well, that... Well, there's only one way to negotiate with aliens, is all I'm saying. Even well, if they happen wait, to be... Well, wait, she's human. human. Was, you're she's a human, human, too. You're both human. She's human, I know, but I'm saying human. more metaphorically. I'm human. We can do human stuff together, if you know what I mean. You're a man. I don't see any other humans in this sector. This is the way to to get along. I agree. Well, she brings you to the captain's court, which has a double bed, if you notice. We're going to have to ask our younger younger listeners to change the channel for a while. And yada, yada, yada. Fifteen minutes later, I've got the navigation coordinates. Okay. (laughs) Two minutes later. (laughs) Two minutes, 30 seconds. Well, I had to talk with her for a while. Yes. She goes on to explain. Do you exp- what do you tell her How about this? So she knows what she wants to. I mean, she can give you coordinates. The coordinates will help you, like, navigate and do your search much faster. But it's really just star charts and star maps. It's not like there's no bases out here. This is a dead area. So it's more yeah, like. Actually, my theory, though, is that pirates usually keep, well, hidden coves and actual places for supplies that are treasure on the path so that they likely have maps of areas where normal shipping doesn't go. That was my theory. Ah. Look for a big X on the map. Well, she does Well, but just you. simply general navigation maps that are actually more extensive than, say, the, the Imperial Navy's maps. Yeah. Got it. She goes through and shows you the maps, and she sort of points out a few locations, but there's one that you're very interested in. She says, now here, this area, this is where cultists are. Those crazy buggers, I suggest you give them a wide berth if you come across any. They got a hole on a nearby rock where they get together and, well, do whatever it is them crazy cultists do. They call it the spine eater spine or something equally stupid. Come to think of it, those bone ships were headed in that direction, now I think about it. Yeah, how many of those ships were there, did you say? The bone ships. The bone ships? Several including some very large warships. Oh, well, that just tells me I want nothing to do with that area. Oh, my goodness. That's a, that's a natural 20, so that's a bluff of 40. He had a bluff of 40. Oh, Are you yes. trying to bluff that you don't want to go there? No, I said that, well, I want absolutely nothing to do with that place. I'm not going there. She and looks at you and says, I rolled the bluff. I want her yes, to believe that. got it. She agrees, and she's like, yes, yes. Those cultists, they're completely insane. I would stay wide of there. And yes, and by the way, again, John, I will not miss a bluff roll for the remainder of this entire game. Yeah, that's... We'll see. You want to save that roll for something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She goes on to show you the asteroid that has... 
the base on it, you think? It's called K9204. And she gives you the directions. And you can see the coordinates of how to get there. And the good news, it's only like an hour or two away. Oh, no. Not crazy K9. Right. That place is nuts. So, Tuttle, let's go uh, try and get the ship up and running. Yep. Yep. It's time the ship. Moe's do some engineering checks to... Guessing over here, right? Yep. And uh, sure enough, Moe's... you guys check out... Hold on a second, John. So you guys check out its weapon damage and the weapons, you guys are looking at each other like Tuttle and Oroji do one of those look at each other and then look away and look at the camera and then look back realizing, holy crap. Like, they went right through the shields and right into the hole and they just they just ripped the crap out of this engine's. Like, this was scary how much yeah. damage they did. And it was fast. Like, whatever attacked them was way above your pay grade. Like, dreadnought level. So, Railgun. Yeah. Too precise for sad people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, this is, this is heavy, heavy artillery. Like, you know, like, we're talking battleship dreadnought level. And this is, like, a medium explore <laughs> you know like this is this is this is like i don't know like a motorcycle versus a tank like uh yeah you can see why they needed okay so start. should we start making rolls Cap captain america could be a tank with a motorcycle i'm just saying they're not captain america but you might be mr rusty this this is what i'm saying all right so you guys can well, roll john what did you want to do away. john did you want to do something oh i was checking out their uh, cargo hold oh yeah sure you can check out the cargo just for anything interesting. It's pretty not, he's not going to steal anything. No, it's, it's anything pretty... illegal, anything that might be tip-off that, you know, if they're smuggling, like, corpses or something insane like that. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. Um, yeah, do your engineering check and you do your perception check, Mo, to see what you find. That was a lot of rolls. Okay, Mo gets a crappy eight for his perception. Everything's locked down and tight, but it looks pretty empty. It looks like they just haven't been—they haven't done anything recently. Tuttle gets a twenty-eight. Hiroji gets a thirty. God, these are good rolls. Um, <laughs> let's see. Q four helps out. You guys are able to help and fix the repairs probably within like twelve hours. Like that's how we're good doing. Like an eight, an AT montage. Yes. Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Da, 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 Lots of welding and connecting da, 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 pipes da, da, da. together. Yeah. You see, like, it's the ratchet MacGyver. in one. It's a MacGyver. Yeah, I know, I did MacGyver. 15 minutes of MacGyver. <laughs> you see the ratchet in one hand, and then you see the welding in the other, and then you see the hammer going, and then you see Hiroji drinking a cold beverage and then wiping his brow as he's mm -hmm. sweating. And you see Tuttle, like, underneath some mechanical equipment, and Cheddar is handing him, like, a wrench. And after... <laughs> <laughs> and you see Rusty sipping a beer over in the corner, relaxing, feet up. With his go shirt ahead. off. Smoking a cigarette. Yeah, smoking cigarette with the captain in bed. There you go. Yes, exactly. Well, well, you know. Well, you're under you the covers. You have to make it quite so explicit. But <laughs> well, okay. you're, you're under the covers. I mean, you know. Meanwhile, Moe's just making a sandwich. I know. Moe is like. Yes, right. eating it. <laughs> That's right. You guys are like hardworking. Hiroji is, is hardworking. Rusty is, hold. quote, hard at work. And Mo is raiding the pantry and eating his fill. Like reading a newspaper or something. <laughs> well, staring at a newspaper. Yeah. Actually, yeah. there's another vest gun here. I think you guys like play space cards or space poker or something. 
or headbutt each other a lot. Yeah, whatever you best do. Who knows? Yeah. Compare notes. Anyhow, cool. So half a day goes by. You're able to repair the ship, at least enough that it can, like, now fly. It's no longer damaged. You patch the hole in the, uh, in the wall, and you guys are in good shape. You think you have everything you need. You have the map. You have the coordinates to this asteroid K9204. And she will give you the payments in cred stick if you are ready. Nice. Excellent. And you have the insignia. Excellent. Cool. So I need, I, need, I need crit sticks. You got it. So each of you got a thousand credits. So four thousand credits. How about that? How about how about them apples? How about that, that sounds Excellent. good. It's going towards a new gun one day. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to level five, where uh, the payments start <laughs> significantly <laughs> better. I want a hand solo blaster, special blaster. You got it. Okay. She wishes you well. She says she's going to be in the area. And she'll be on the lookout. If you wish to contact her, she gives you a private way to get in touch with her as she does stealth. And, well, she is a pirate after all. Um, Very good. And if if you run into any more of those bone ships, let us know and we'll do the same. She looks at you and says, oh, we're not going anywhere near those bone ships. They they did enough damage. I suggest you do the same. But to each their oh, own. We're going nowhere in that. We're going nowhere near there. Not in our way. Alright, Captain, it was a pleasure. Actually, Mo is going to uh, ask the captain. Um if we were to blow one of those ships out of the sky, would she be uh interested in like uh putting a bounty on any of them? Probably not. You see, the bone ships, from what I know, are fairly worthless as they have no atmosphere. They are really designed for war and destruction. He's not asking about salvage rights. He's asking about yeah. bounty. Just oh, like, do like a bounty, like, uh, you, like you water, know, we can yeah. we can actually leave a message saying, uh, you know, this is uh, uh, Olera, you know, don't cross with her again type of thing. She appreciates your offer. She'll think about it. She is more interested in plunder and cargo and ways to make a name for herself. Killing some worthless bone ships really won't get anywhere because no one will know and they have nothing to plunder or value. They're completely worthless in the eyes of uh, the free captains. All right. Well, just thought she might want to. It's not a bad idea, but to her, yeah. like, plunder. I mean, she's making a name for herself. That's yeah. That's but fighting mark. is fighting is like That's lower in the priority okay. than like a good score. Like a what good are you guys score. doing all in the in the same uh, bunk? What are you guys doing over there? Oh, we were negotiating. I don't know what you're talking about. Look, at any rate, let's move out, man. All right. Well, most in the airlock. Sorry, this is one of the ways that humans commune when we're trying to make important decisions. Don't worry about it. Okie dokie. You guys managed to have a successful parlay. It's funny. We talk about that all the time. This actually was a good one. And you know that the asteroid K9204 is pretty nearby. You can navigate your ship through the field of the lost to the planetoid. Were you going to do that now? What are you going to do? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Mo's going to do a culture check on that asteroid. Sure. Well, you'll have to do it after you get to it because there's not a lot of information. From the name? From Oh, from the name? It's just a designated name. It has nothing to do with anything. Oh, H- okay. uh, it's K9204. They're all like 
K nine two zero five six seven eight. Like they're just name like that. They don't oh, have eight is a slum. Yeah, but yeah. he, he can't like work any that. numerology and divine yeah, mystical uh, meaning in there. Okay, I'm um, sure if Mo wants to think that it means something, sure you can. <laughs> Mo can think whatever he wants. <laughs> All right, Mo points to the uh, clipboard with the name on it. He says, "This K nine sixty four, real assholes." And he nods his head. Got it to the clipboard. <laughs> okay. You do that. So, an hour. But you actually do really good piloting, Mr. Hiroji. It can take anywhere up to four hours, but these maps are so accurate, and you're so good that you just zip right through the asteroid field. Excellent. Rusty, you're taking note. I would like a promotion. I'm sorry? Excuse me. I, I was napping. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> Never mind. Go back to sleep. I, I, was, I, was, I was considering our strategy for the future. I'm sorry. Just don't bother me for a little bit. Rusty is spent after the vigorous negotiations with the captain. Anyhow, you find the asteroid. It's less than a mile in diameter, and it's made up of treacherous rock and ore-infused terrain. Jagged cliffs cover the asteroid's surface. It appears to be nasty, very difficult to navigate, and you might have to search for an area to even land the ship. Well, let's let's do that. Let's search for a landing area. We don't uh, have we don't have a shuttle on this. And ship. actually, actually, we do. I thought, but um, no, how no. how many actual scans do we have that we can do? What like, do you want to know? Infrared, ultraviolet, radiation. Figure out. Hey, look, that's where the Death Star gun would shoot out of. It's it's basically how many scans are, do we have? The options. Excellent. Or is there just you do a perception check? Uh, you know what? If you give me a second, I will look it up. Thank you. Can it just be one scan with all that stuff? No. Well, that's it, my question. Yeah. No, there's a thing. It actually is the ship because your ship has a basic mid-range sensors. That's what I was looking up. So it's basically a computer's check from Mr. Tuttle, and you can search for certain things. But unfortunately, your ship is designed. There's like science ship, you know, your ship was made for exploring and fighting. So it's good, but not great. And it's really more for scanning other ships to find out what their complement is. But you can do some base scans. How about okay. that? Great, thank you. But you can do a scan. That's something you could upgrade, by the way. Uh, you can actually get like a better scanners and like scientific scanners, things like that. All right. But if Tuttle wants to make a roll, you can tell you a little bit more. Yep, you said computers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, there's the first crappy roll of the day. 16, not a great computers check, but that's what you get. You do some scans. Maybe there's interference from the asteroid. In fact, you kind of think there might be. So you can tell there actually appears to be a lot of uh, iron in this asteroid, which is messing up your scans. But you do notice a few facts. Uh, there's a lot of jagged cliffs that cover the asteroid's surface. It does appear to be dense enough to provide low gravity. And it is enveloped with a thin atmosphere. So in theory, you could breathe on it if you want. You can also wear your spacesuits. That's up to you. You do also find one relatively open area that has lots of pockmarks, and it looks like this is where ships have landed and take, taken off in the past. And that is probably the only place where you can go. All right, I will maneuver the ship thusly. Wow, I like the boldness of 
not at not not deferring to the captain. Going right in the front door. Yeah. So yep. sure enough, you see deep grooves and scotch mark in the rocky ground, showing the starships have landed and taken off from this area repeatedly. Although there's no such ships currently present. So a few other things you do notice in some of your scans that the ground appears to be fairly rocky, and some of the ground appears to be covered in large mountains of ash and dust, which is literally like, imagine going through like a five-foot drift of snow, but instead of snow, it's like fine dust and silt, if you will, uh, that's piled up on the asteroid in various locations. So you land. Do I need to make a piloting or no? No. You can do it. Okay. All right. Um, everyone, let's lock and load, and uh, let's take a look at what's on this rock, and let's make sure we last one out locks the ship up. So are you going to <laughs> putting on your environmental suits, or are you going to brave it and soak up the atmosphere? All you need to do is a fortitude save. It's a fort 15 save. Once per hour, it actually gets harder because the area is kind of a thin atmosphere. It's like hiking on Mount Everest. Nah, I'm going to all use our armor, I think. That's crazy. Yeah, not well, not the armor. The, the yeah, armor, right. the environmental protections, I meant. Well, what do you mean? I mean, the armor takes care of all that. Just checking. I didn't see if anyone was crazy enough to, like, go out. I mean, if oh, anyone was yeah. brave enough to go out nope. without I, their... No. I, yeah, I jump no, out I mean, to the void of... When they steal... When they steal our ship like they did before and we're marooned here, then we'll deal with that. Excellent. Well, you have new countermeasures to uh, to uh, deal with that. So, you land on the ship. You land the ship, and there appears to be two areas that you can go through. Hold on a second. Cool. Whoa. To the east is where your ship lands, and to the west, you see two corridors that are rather large. There's one to the north. It goes. It's good. You're going from the east to the west. There's a large corridor that goes several hundred feet to the west. There's a northern corridor and there's a southern corridor. The northern corridor seems to have this very large outcropping of rocks. It almost looks like steps that goes up pretty steep, 40 feet up in the air. Dividing them, these two corridors, is a very thin mountain of jagged rocks that's 40 feet high. The southern corridor seems to have a large amount of glinting, almost metallic items in the surface. So which way do you wish to go? You can see it on the map. There's a northern way and there's a southern way, but there's a dividing line. Like there's a 40 foot rock wall between the two. So you can't jump over it or climb up it. It's a little tricky, but you can. And there is a low gravity here. So we could probably jump and jump jets and yeah stuff. with jump jets oh well those that have jump jets you guys could like scale this pretty quickly but those of you who don't you're gonna have to do it the old-fashioned so way. we can see over that wall into the next area what do you mean over the wall uh, no it's a wall no I, I there's a wall that that Is that, that a wall going down the ledge that's sheer 50 feet i'm showing you you get to a point like you park your ship to the east and now there's two corridors. There's a northern corridor or a southern corridor. You have to choose one. Well, I say we're since, why don't we're, since we're already on the northern yeah, one. Yeah, we are already on the northern one. So I can move you. That's no big deal. No, that's... I mean... Whatever you want. What do you I guys mean, think? I just the, die of fate, the die of fate has been cast. Yeah. Okay, you got it. Okay, so you go through the northern. 
Uh, you saw the southern, but you're not there now. So I just, I'm not going to cover it up on the map. But it, it's there, but you can't really go to it yet. This narrow pass is flanked by sheer rocky wall to the north and a more slender, though just as tall, rocky formation to the south. A deep pile of silvery ash sits on the cleft between the cliff and the stepped outcropping. Otherwise, the rugged ground is pockmarked, but flat. All right, let's, let's advance. All right. Artillery laser is in hand. All right. Let's mount up. Nice. Get up on the riding saddle. Okay. It's riding saddle time. All right, hold on. So everyone move 20 feet from where you were. 20? Yeah, no more than 20 feet. Why? Why? Because I'm just telling you. Well, you can move your full movement. How about that? You can move whatever your full movement is. Just move your full movement. But just one full movement. Oh, okay. So if you want to move 40, you can move 40. No, you can move 40. No, 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 it's not. I just don't want everyone to go crazy because things might happen. So move as a group. Exactly. So the... uh, And then stop after you did your full movement. So... Um, yeah, just do it that way, Jason. But it, I don't want to put you on top, but as long as you just tell me. Here, I can put an That's icon. That's cool. For now, I am on the riding saddle. I have an icon. I'm going to get my weapon out because we're, we're talking about cultists. We yeah, I'm getting my weapon out also. We might as well just assume that we're going to meet bad guys. Wait, where's Rusty? Okay. Oh, wait. He's back there. Okay. Yeah. He's in the back. Artillery laser is I'm out. Rusty, would you, do you care to take point? I'm trying to actually get an overview of this entire scene for strategic purposes. So I'm going to hang back for just one second so I can actually see everything that's going on. Okay. So feel free to head on ahead. Makes perfect sense. Roll for combat! Oh, no. I didn't see that coming at Where? all. My what God. a surprise. I don't see anything on this barren rock. What could possibly be attacking? Yeah, they're invisible. Hey everyone, Steve here. So what a surprise. There's a little bit of combat starting. So one thing I did want to note. Now, this is something I do. I will play the adventure paths as written. However, if I feel the adventure path was written in such a way that it has encounters that don't really add to the story or that the story seemed a little wonky, I will change it. This is a perfect example. This was written so that first you would actually fight the pirate captain and then somehow she would surrender and then everything that happened would actually happen. Now, I think that was written just because they wanted to have starship combat in the game and I felt that that was not necessary. I really felt that the whole point of that was to sort of meet with the pirates, find out what was going to go on, find out where the base is, and instead of having this combat, which was going to end in a stalemate anyhow, and then you're going to meet with the pirates and find out this information, why fight them? Why bother with this whole fight? Now, I feel like, yes, you could have done it that way, but then knowing my guys, they would have never accepted surrender, or they would have done something horrible to the pirates. So, here's an example of me changing it and still having the exact same outcome. I still thought it was a little bit more fun if they can come in and instead of being the aggressors and then sort of, I don't know, lording over the pirates, which just felt weird, I felt it would be more fun if they kind of rescued the pirates and then made friends with them. It opens up a lot more opportunities in the future. Now they're friends with the free pirates. Now they even have a 
mark from them, and I'm going to have that come into the game later. Now, that's not a knock against the writer, Amanda Harmon Kuntz. She is fantastic, and we're having on our show a little bit later. She is great, and I love her. But I do believe that when they're given these adventures, they're given instructions that you have to have XYZ in your adventures. And I know for a fact that one of the instructions is you always must have at least one, if not two, starship combats. So they put in the starship combat, and then it led into this encounter with the pirates. It felt really weird. So I just changed it. I felt that that was something added that really didn't need to be there. And no one noticed. There's absolutely no difference in the way the encounter worked out. If anything, all I did was save us an episode of Starship Combat, which I think some people would be enjoy to listen to. But don't worry, there's more Starship Combat, which actually makes sense and forwards the plot, and that you're going to listen to in the near future. But there's a little example of when I feel like they're adding or padding to the adventure. And I know for a fact they do this because one of the other things they need to do is they need to get a certain amount of XP. You don't see that in Starfinder so much, but I've seen entire chapters in Pathfinder Adventure Paths that are nothing but padding. And I've spoken to the guys at Paizo and they admit it. They're like, yeah, it's literally just there to give you more XP. So I take those out. I've been playing and read these enough that I can feel and sense like where this padding usually is. It's basically whenever you have fights that don't move the plot along, that have no purpose or point, I just take those out. I feel like there's no reason of having them in there. Now, as for my PC GM tip this week, I'm kind of liking these two-parters. I didn't mean this to be a two-parter. But I was thinking about it a lot, so last week I talked about why you should always have some easy fights in your adventures, and this week I'm going to talk about hard fights and how to run them. So everyone knows, of course, you always have these boss fights. Now something that keeps coming up over and over again on the Discord channel is we're talking about Book 2 when they fought the Undead Elf and how the Undead Elf almost destroyed the party. Now, I actually said this on the Discord channel. We had a discussion about it. I felt that one of the main reasons why these guys were so unprepared and almost died to this elf is that they were not mentally prepared to fight a boss encounter. And that is one of the first tips, is that whenever someone needs to fight a big boss encounter, whenever your PCs need to fight, you need to let them know it's coming up. You need to sort of telegraph it because they will fight differently. They're going to usually pull out all the stops. They might buff up. They might bring out some potions or other magic scrolls that they have. Like they're just going to treat it differently because now they know that this is for keeps and they have to play seriously. Now they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that every encounter. But for a boss encounter, of course they're going to do it. And mentally, you need to prepare them. So when they met this elf, the elf obviously was guarding the temple, so they didn't think this was a big boss encounter. It's one guy. He's normal looking. He was actually in ancient armor with ancient weapons. So they look at this guy and they think, all right, this guy's undead, wearing ancient equipment that's from another era. How hard can he be? And he's obviously not the main boss. He's not the big bad. And he was even talking to them. So he felt like just some low-level minion. And then the fight started, and he started to absolutely destroy them. And by the time they finally figured out that this guy was way above their pay grade, it was too late, they were disorganized, their main tank was nearly dead, and luckily my guys are smart enough that they run away. 
And that is a big part of these boss encounters. You have to let them know the boss encounters are boss encounters. I'm going to give you another example. When we were playing Karen Crown, there is a monster in there called the Color from Outer Space. Now that is from Lovecraft and the Cthulhu myths. It is basically the color green that floats in the air. That is the monster. That is all it is. It is literally the color green. Now, in the adventure, they go, they see this color green. They're like, all right, I guess we'll go fight this color green. And this color green, meanwhile, managed to do a touch attack for a disintegration that did like 60 points of damage. Plus, it had an area of effect. It had all these crazy abilities, and it absolutely destroyed them. They were going to die, no questions asked. And again, when you're there and you're like, okay, we're literally fighting the floating color of green. How bad could this thing be? And then it promptly absolutely destroyed them. They, once again, were very smart. They ran away. They went back to town. They went all commando and had the whole sequence where you see them, like, getting all the equipment. It's like Rambo, you know, putting in the knives, putting in the grenades, putting in the magic scrolls, putting in the potions, getting the wands. They got everything ready. They went all town. They bought new equipment. They bought new weapons. And they went back and absolutely destroyed that thing. But that is what happened. They were not mentally prepared. So whenever your PCs are going to fight your boss, you got to kind of telegraph it. You have to let them know it's coming. There's so many ways to do this. You can do it just by, well, telling them the name of the boss. And when they see him, they're like, okay, here's the name, there's the boss. You'll also usually know it's usually the last encounter after a whole bunch of other minions. The guy will often monologue and tell his dastardly plans, which is what Tao Men did. Everyone knew he was the boss. Everyone knew this was going to be a big fight. And that way they're mentally prepared and they will go in and fight the big boss. But I will tell you, you got to be very, very careful because you as a GM might think, ah, ha, ha, I'm being sneaky. I'm going to have them fight this baby red dragon, which is secretly an ancient red dragon that has transformed itself into the baby red dragon form. So it's going to just kill my guys dead and they won't even know. Ha, ha, ha. You know what? That's unfair to the PCs. It's fun for you as the GM, but it's horrible and terrifying and confusing for your PCs. They're not going to enjoy it. They're not going to understand what's going on. To them, they're fighting a baby red dragon. So you really got to kind of give them a little bit of warning. Now, one thing about that color from outer space, there actually was warning beforehand. Like, before they got there, there was all these, like, dead creatures, and the whole area lost all of its color. Everything was black and white and sort of dead and disintegrating. It was kind of like if you watch Stranger Things and the Upside Down. It kind of was like the Upside Down as they were going towards the color from outer space. So they had some hints from the outside environment that they were going to something very serious. And they were hit very hard, but once again, they did not die. And as a PC, the advice I can give you is that if you are up against something that's out of your league, do not try to just force your way through it. I cannot emphasize this enough. Run away. That's right. Run away. I know it's this crazy concept, but seriously do it. 
Okay, these guys used to not run away. They would fight dragons, not run away, all die, adventure over, start new PCs. Or they would fight something that was, you know, seemed really easy, but was actually really hard. One example was we were like low level and we got attacked by like 10 Sturges. Those are those little winged creatures that suck out your blood. And when they hit you in mass, they will kill you quick because they are actually deadly when they swarm you. And once again, we all died. And these are all examples of, man, if we ran away, we'd still be playing now. And we have to live another day and go back, regroup, and then kill these things on the way back. And let me tell you, running away, going all commando, getting all that gear, and then going back and killing the creature is amazingly satisfying. It is so much fun. The PCs love when that happens. So there is no shame in running away. So the moral of the story, as a GM, Make sure you either telegraph or you let them know that the big bad is coming, that the PCs have time to prepare, that they know they're about to hit something and fight something quite deadly. And even when I did this in book two, I was kind of alluding to it, if you listen to it. I was having the undead elf talk to them and kind of allude that he was kind of a badass and that he could take them on. But they didn't quite get it until he started to hit them hard. And then they realized, wow. And even I didn't realize how bad it was going to go for them. But lesson to be learned, level six is way stronger than level four in Starfinder way way stronger especially solarians because they get their new special powers at level six and damn they are strong as for pcs don't underestimate small creatures don't underestimate that single pc don't underestimate the color green floating in space anything at any time can be a boss encounter and you should be careful there's nothing wrong with being careful on every encounter and if you listen to my guys they are careful. They're careful, well, except for John. John, who, like, runs in like a maniac. And let me tell you, his characters have died horrible deaths because he does that. And he deserves to die horrible deaths because he plays his characters recklessly. Anyhow, most of the role for combat crew is very careful until they get a feel for what type of creature they're fighting. And then from there, they decide how much to unload and how much of their resources to use. And as a PC do run away just run away regroup go back kill the creature it'll be still there when you come back trust me that's just how these games work and you'll have even more fun killing it the second time so a couple of simple show notes don't forget every tuesday we have a new podcast of roll for combat we're putting out the interviews usually on Mondays. They might come out on Wednesdays, depending on when the interview occurs. But usually on Mondays, I'm now putting out interviews separately as its own separate show. So do look for those. I have a couple more upcoming in the next few weeks. Also, don't forget, please subscribe to us on iTunes and Android. And do review us on iTunes, please. We've got a couple up there. I know we have a million new subscribers. The podcast has been getting very, very popular since Gen Con. It has been exploding. So if you like it, please go to iTunes. Please review us. It really helps us out. 
Don't forget, every Thursday, check out Jason's Talking Combat column. It's really cool. He does a breakdown of every single episode of what he was thinking from a player's point of view. People really like reading this. They love his column. They really like to see what he was thinking. And also, if you ever have any questions for Jason, feel free to write the show or just write him directly in Discord. He's on all the time. He kind of lurks. He doesn't talk as much as I do on the Discord, but he is there. And if you do mention him, he will show up. Try it. Have fun. Mention his name and watch him mysteriously appear. Also, don't forget, do go to the Roll for Combat Discord channel, just discord.rollforcombat.com. You get a free t-shirt if you hit level 10. All you got to do is post. Or if you GM a game for us, you also get a free t-shirt. There's lots of ways to get free t-shirts, and we got tons and tons of free t-shirts. And if you just want to buy one, they are nice and, well, relatively cheap. I sell them at cost. I make no money on the t-shirts. Just go to the RollForCombat.com website. You'll see all the t-shirts there. Check them out. Get some. The most popular one by far is Cheddar. Also, don't forget, do follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Check out the Reddit channel. And do check out our Patreon. We've been getting a lot of new Patreon people. And because of that, I'm adding a lot of new content because, well, you guys are showing up. So we're going to start adding new stuff. Do check out our Patreon. It does help out the show, allows us to do more, and I am looking at that new adventure path, and I'm really itching to do it. I just read the new one, and it sounds really, really good. I kind of am very excited about it. I didn't really want to do Against the Aeon Throne, because I really want to do Signal Screams, because one, I wrote some of that adventure path, because that's awesome, and two, it's space horror, which is my favorite. And three, it's high level. The guys start off at level seven, which is great. Because then we get to try really cool things at level seven. But I read Against the Aeon Throne, and the first one is awesome. So I might have to run it, because it is neat as can be. Also, do check out some of the free stuff we have on the Discord. We got stuff like the Loot Box of Wonder, which you can download and people love. I got Goblin Grenades on there, which I invented. We have the Stitch Spider, which was done by Jason Keeley, which is basically a wand of healing for the Starfinder universe. We use it on the show. It is great. And Jason is going to be making a version 2 for me very soon. I'm also looking to get a couple of new cool items for the site. People really enjoy these random items that we create. So I'm going to try to get a few more by some developers up on the site in the near future. Do check those out. Otherwise, do be on the lookout for a new Starfinder Society podcast. I am editing it right now. It's going to be up very soon. We are running Adventure 1-2, Fugitive on the Red Planet, with not one but two Paizo employees, and they are wonky. Do look for that very, very soon. Otherwise, I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Starfinder actual play podcast. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at RollForCombat.com. Or drop us a line at contact at RollForCombat.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, and other social media platforms.
You've been listening to Roll for Combat. Until next week, always remember that your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries.